Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Future is Bilingual podcast. My name is Heather. I'm very happy to be back at the podcast this week because I took a little break uh, for the Polyglot Gathering. I had the wonderful opportunity to present. I presented a French crash course, and I was also attending four, almost five days worth of events and language exchanges, and it was amazing and intense as it always is, but so wonderful. And I've only recently joined this community. I joined the Polyglot Conference uh, for the first time last fall. This was my first Polyglot, polyglot Gathering, excuse me. And it's amazing how you see the same faces, even though it's a really big number of attendees, um, you still have your friends and people that you see on different platforms and all over. So it's really lovely, um, especially for me as a huge extrovert, uh, living through a pandemic with two small children, not being able to see my friends in real life was very hard. So it's been wonderful to have this online community of people who are just as passionate as me about language learning, language teaching, just languages in general. Uh, and I digress. It was wonderful. So shout out to everybody uh, if you were there at the Polyglot Gathering or if you just supported me in any way um, on Instagram. And I just highly suggest um, if you're listening to this and you aren't part of the community, come find us. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, at these Polyglot Gatherings that are happening now online uh, due to the pandemic. Hopefully we will be back in person at some point. I say back, but I've never been into them in person, but you know what I mean. So I digress. Let's get into today's episode, which is an interview with Marisol. She is a multilingual mom. They are raising their children using the OPAL method. And we talk a little bit about international schools and their big move, which is coming up and how they're planning for that. We also talk about how to keep the minority culture alive and what she's doing specifically with her family. We get a little bit into personality types, what it's like learning language as an adult versus a child and accent and all those wonderful things. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and stick around to the end to hear uh, some interesting phrases that she teaches us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Future is Bilingual podcast. Today, I'm sitting with Marisol, and she's going to tell us a little bit about herself. So welcome, Marisol. Thank you so much for agreeing to be with us. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about you and who's in your family, what languages you guys speak. Um, so my name is Marisol and I am, I was born in Mexico, um, but I moved to United States, obviously with my family when I was five years old, um, but we moved to a border town. So it was always, you know, it's a bilingual town, basically mm -hmm. it's you're Spanish and English or well, like schools are in English, but the culture is very Spanish. Um, but it's not totally like Mexico. It's kind of a mix of both. And now I got married to a German man and he moved with me to Texas and we went to university here in Texas. And now we have two daughters mm -hmm. that are eight and six years old. Wonderful. How did you meet your husband? Was he studying over here? Did you go over there? He, um, I was in high school and he was in high school too. And he did a year abroad. It's very common that they do like an exchange year. Mm -hmm. And they just choose the country, but they don't choose where they end up. And they sent him to a, the border town, which I find really funny. Wow. So it, so he kind of learned English and Spanish when he did his year abroad here. And I met him 
while I was working at the bowling alley. In oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, that is really, I've heard of that um, Germans doing a lot of exchanges and even I did a little um, retreat in um, Costa Rica and I was staying with a host family and she said, we get so many Germans that stay with us. Um, like that was like her full-time job was hosting students. And there are, there's just so many Germans that travel to learn languages. And that's such a, yeah. an amazing way to learn languages. I think they really have the right idea there. Um, yeah. And even young kids, like, like you were saying, high school students, you know, I don't know how long was he abroad for the year. Yeah, he was here for the year and he was 15 when he came. That's such a long time for a 15 year old, but. I think so too, but. I mean, it was a very good experience. Yeah, no, I'm sure it is. I just think maybe culturally, some of our like American parents would not want to send their kid yeah. away for, for a full year, but there yeah, are that shorter. Sounds like a lot. <laughs> that sounds, yeah, that sounds like a lot, but I, what a wonderful experience that is. And look, what came out of it. You guys met and now you have yeah. two children. So what are the languages in your family? Who speaks what to whom? So when I was pregnant with my first daughter, we decided... We hadn't really ever thought about it before, actually, like the language thing, because he and I always spoke English mm -hmm. since it's our common language. Um, but when I was pregnant, we thought we talked about it and we said, well, I'll just speak Spanish to the kids 100% and you just speak German to the kids 100% and English they'll learn because we're here in Texas. So that's what we did and it worked out fine. Um, I actually was, it was a bit hard for me at the beginning, just because I've, I've spoken Spanish my whole life to my parents, but since I'm living in the U.S., it, um, it's my primary language. Like I feel more, most comfortable mm -hmm. and expressing my emotions in English, although I can do it in Spanish. Um, but it, I got used to it quickly and it actually helped me, you know, improve my Spanish, um, and now that they're eight and six, I still speak to them in Spanish. And I feel like I've kind of grown with them, with the language. And my husband, Dirk, he speaks German to them. And that worked out very well as well. Um, with the first, with uh, my first daughter, Amelie, she, he and her spent a lot of time together because it was just one. So we, you know, split mm -hmm. evenly. So I feel like she got more German than my other daughter. Um, but yeah, so when we, when she was 16, no, 18 months, we sent her to preschool so that she could start learning English, even though I was a stay-at-home mom, mm -hmm. that she should get some interaction with kids that spoke English. Um, and it was a 100% English school and she picked up English really quickly. By two, she was she was fine. She was speaking all three languages. That's yeah. It's so amazing how they do that. If you just have the right environment, and if there's a need, like she needed English at school, mm -hmm. they'll learn it. It's my daughter because of the pandemic didn't really speak much English. She yeah. um, like I was telling you, she's around two now. Normally we would have seen my family, but we didn't for an entire mm -hmm. year. And it's amazing now that they're seeing. My family, we've, we've all been vaccinated and we're meeting outside because the weather's finally nice up in the north. Um, it's just amazing. Like she'll just, she picks it up so quick. You know, she hears someone say a word once and it's like, she can use yeah. it a week later. And it's like, oh, you remember that word? Yeah, so, I amazing. actually, I thought about that too. Um, 
during the pandemic when schools shut down in March of last year, I, I, I think it was about May when I realized that my kids hadn't spoken English in like two months because it was just German and Spanish at home and they were doing school online, but they're in an, they're in an international school and they're in the Spanish program. Okay. So they do Spanish like 80% of the time and then only 20% English. So it's just a very, very small exposure to English that when we did see friends again in like FaceTime, I noticed they had a hard time again with the English and I was like, oh, this is so weird, you know? I hadn't realized that. Yeah, the effect that it could have, but I have heard a lot of people say how good it has been for home languages. Um, and I'm sure you guys, you know, just said the same thing that just being immersed in those two home languages or if there's one home language, but yeah, everything has a cost, right? So if they're completely yeah. immersed in the home language, that means they're not immersed in the other ones. So exactly. I'm sure they can bounce back quickly. Yeah. And do you know any German? You said your husband knows a little Spanish. Um, yes, my husband, he's gotten very good at Spanish, especially because he's living, he's been living here in Texas now for 15, 16 years. Um, and he's with my family and, you know, he's immersed in it too. Also me speaking with the kids and I can speak German too, but just not as well as he can Spanish just because I don't have as much exposure. Mm -hmm. um, we did before pandemic times, we did used to go every year to Germany and that helped a lot. I, I, I noticed every, after every trip, me and the kids all spoke more German. We just learn, you know, being there helps a lot. Um, but yeah, so I speak, I speak German okay. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> I did hear that the EU is letting vaccinated uh, American citizens travel this summer after July, was it? I'm there's not some... sure. I, I heard that too, but I don't know the, the exact date. I hope mm -hmm. that's, that's true. <laughs> so hopefully you can get back to your trips abroad because I think that is such an important part. If people are able, of course, to, to afford it financially and take the time off work and all the things that that requires. Um, that is such yeah. a wonderful, wonderful method of <laughs> helping yeah. everybody for sure. Yeah, it's not, it's not easy. Um, and it's definitely not cheap, but it is a very, very good way of learning. Um, and that's why I, I really like the programs that they have, you know, in universities or like in high school. Mm -hmm. I don't here in the United States if they have that as much because I haven't heard about it as much as they do have it in Europe. But when you're, I studied abroad when I was in college and I studied in Spain. It was, it's really neat because the financial aid that you can get covers um, your time abroad. So it, I basically paid the same amount that I would have paid being here because, mm -hmm. you know, room and board and things that I was paying anyways at school with financial aid or loans or whatever, I think it's totally worth it. Yeah. No, study abroad is an amazing opportunity. I loved mm -hmm. my study abroad that I did in France. And I think everyone should go at least for a little bit, maybe not a yeah. semester, but you can at least do a few do a weeks, summer. Yeah. Mm -hmm, a summer. There's many opportunities. I know I volunteered as well for a few weeks. There's just, there's many ways to get abroad and just, it opened your eyes so much. I do have a question because you mentioned your kids are in 80% Spanish and 20% English. Mm -hmm. How does your husband feel? Does he feel pressure to keep German just because it's a little, it's not bolstered by the school and it's not bolstered in the community. So 
Do you know how yeah. he feels? I know I'm asking you to speak on his behalf, but. Well, no, he, he really likes it just because that means that they'll, they'll be better at speaking the language. So he likes, I mean, there's no option in this school for German. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he'll just take it, you know, but we also do um, Saturday German school. Okay. Um, so they do get some, he gets some help with the German um, and the kids actually love it. We were kind of worried that they're going to school, you know, six days a week seems kind of crazy. And that's why I put it off for so long, but they actually really like it. And there's mm-hmm. a huge community that I didn't even know uh, here in Houston of German speaking um, people and they come, you know, with the culture and everything. So it's really, it's really neat. Um, mm-hmm. Today that was their last day of the semester and they did a little play with um, Sleeping Beauty. Oh, it was really cute. You know, all the kids, they just do the play in German, you know, and it was really nice. So I think for for Dirk, it is harder to keep his language, you know, alive in them. Mm -hmm. But that helped. Um, And actually, I have so my younger daughter has a harder time with German. And I don't I've seen this in a lot of families that the younger one has a harder time. And I'm not sure why. But I think in our case, so my younger one wants to speak Spanish with everybody. It just she she doesn't care about any other language really. She just speaks Spanish. Right now she's getting better at it. Um, but it took her. So I put her in the same preschool as I put my other daughter, and I put her in two months younger. So she was sixteen months. Um, but she did not speak English fully until maybe four years old. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's good to note also that the same methods could work differently for different kids. You know, we were both kind of like, what happened to this kid? You know, because we thought, you know, with the first one, it worked great. And we were so excited. And the second one came and we're like, hey, it's not, it's not working, you know? Um, but uh, Dirk also says, my husband, that it's, it also is, when she was born, she had two people speaking Spanish to her at home and only one German. And with Amelie, our older one, it was one-on-one, one-and-one. Right. It makes a difference. And also in that preschool that we put her in so that she can learn English, um, her preschool teacher was, at, I mean, the assistant was actually from, so she would hear Anika speak Spanish. So she, the teacher would just speak Spanish to her. So mm. kind of liked it because it seemed like she was in a bilingual, you know, class, but it did put back her English a lot, which I was okay with. Cause I'm like, we're in the United States. She will learn English, you know? Right. She needs as much Spanish that we can put in there. So, mm-hmm. but it's just, it was very interesting. It was different. Yeah. yeah. And I think it is, even without the different circumstances, every kid is going to be different. The methods, like you said, that yeah. are going to work on each kid is going to be different. So, and just all the things, there's so many factors, exposure, the older sibling, what language they're speaking. That's a huge yeah. factor because if the older sister is speaking one language more, you know, yeah. that's the play language that's the language she's going to associate with this person so yeah yeah it's it's definitely it's it's even more interesting you know bilingual is interesting but when there's trilingual it just adds another layer it's actually very interesting to me how that happened because so they speak spanish to each other um and i didn't do anything specific for, to make that happen um, but I find that very interesting because I know a lot of bilingual families, especially living here in the United States, have a hard time getting their kids to speak the minority language to each other. 
Um, I'm not sure how that happened. Um, we were very strict with the language um, separation. So like I never speak English to them and, and my husband never speaks English to them. Mm -hmm. That has anything to do with it. And if they ever wanted to, to watch TV, we would always make sure to put it either in Spanish or German, never English. So mm -hmm. it was almost like, not that English was like forbidden in our house because we never did that, but they just didn't hear it very much at our house. Mm -hmm. But something that's interesting also is that since I came here at five years old, my brother was two and my sister was seven. And at some point, I'm not sure when, we started speaking English to each other and we still speak English to each other now. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that's because we were born in Mexico and, you know, raised some years in Mexico. And then we came here and I don't know at what point we switched or how that happened. But it's kind of funny now that my sister and I will speak English to each other, but my sister and I speak Spanish to my kids and her kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's very... Very interesting. How it is happens. really funny how that happens. And it's hard to pinpoint like the one day that switched, you know, when yeah, did the switch yeah. happen? It's, it's, yeah. I think also during the time where I was, when I was here, when I moved here, it was kind of frowned upon to be bilingual or mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but I do remember getting in trouble in school for speaking Spanish to other kids. And oh, wow. yeah, and it's really, really sad to think about that because now things have changed even there where I grew up and I think just in general in the United States I'm not sure about other states or cities mm -hmm. I feel like you know they're embracing more bilingualism at least a little bit you know and yeah I see that a lot I see even just like I know the royal um I'm, I'm not good with all celebrities but like <laughs> Kate uh, Middleton her daughter had like a Spanish nanny and was like mm. praised for speaking two languages already. And it's become this very posh thing that like, yeah, it's very trendy to have bilingual children and people hiring tutors like, oh, my child speaks Chinese and there's no family connection to Chinese. You know, there's this, this big trend I think happening right now, which is great, but we also need to recognize that immigrants have been doing this for <laughs> centuries and nobody's patting them on the back for raising no. bilingual children. So I think that's yeah, a we really were, important point. We were punished for it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So Marisol, can you tell us more about international schools? I had another guest um, from Spain. She's a French woman from Spain who put her children in international schools and they were fluent in English because that was the language of instruction. I don't know personally of any international schools. I'm sure there are in my area, probably closer to Boston. So can you just tell us a little bit about those for anyone who doesn't know? what an international sure. school is? Um, so the international school that we go to has several options. So when they're from, it starts in pre-K three, so they're three years old. And from pre-K three to kindergarten, you can pick either Spanish or French. So it's, um, and it's the program is 50% Spanish, 50% um, English or 50% French, 50% English, right? And so, and one day it's all in French, and one uh, and the next day is all in English, and they alternate like that, and they alternate every other Friday too. And one thing I really like is that they have different teachers for each language. So all the teachers speak English, obviously, but the the my the minority language um, in the community that teacher never speaks English to the kids, which I yes. find very 
very important in in my mind because I think kids they you know if they know that this person speaks English they speak English to them because it's easier and they probably know I mean I don't know they're three years old so it's just easier for them if somebody's speaking to them in one language to just stick with that language you know and so I like that much I feel like it's helped a lot that's very um, smart it's a visual because at that young age they don't really get the concept that people can have multiple languages maybe so if this person in front of me I know you speak this language it's just easier to know that to have the yeah, face it's, it's really neat too because they also have two different classrooms um so one classroom is French or Spanish and one classroom is English so everything around them is all in that language oh, so um, they move the room like they'll yes. change oh, that's they so move smart one day they're in this room one day they're in that room yeah so it's they're doing time and place they're really doing that method different yeah. days different classrooms different people yeah and it's really really nice like um my daughter the younger one she entered in pre-k3 and i've seen some kids of her classmates that went in not knowing any spanish speak spanish to these kids and they have a conversation with me in spanish it's really and and their their parents are at home only speak english to them or English and another language, you know, so it's, it's really, it's really efficient. And then when it gets to first grade, things change, they change it. I mean, you have to pick either your homeroom, which is 60% of the time is in one language. So you have to pick if you want homeroom to be in English, Spanish, or French, and that would be 60% of your day will be in that language. And the other 40% will be in the other language. So they call it L you know, second language. Mm -hmm. So for us, we, we've kind of tried out all the programs because we were actually supposed to be moving to Geneva two years ago. So before we, that's why we put them in the school, we were intending to put them in the school and do the French program, mm -hmm. but then the move got canceled. So I was able to switch Anika, the younger one back to Spanish program before they started the school in pre-K three, but in kindergarten, it's it's harder, you know, there's less spots available. So she was not able to switch. And I was really nervous because she was gonna do the French program. So 50% French, 50% English. And that was a, adding a fourth language now for no reason. And I just didn't really see it necessary, you know? Yeah. Um, but she actually is the, my daughter that's better at languages than the others. So she actually did really, really well. She, the teachers were all super impressed that she picked it up and that she was doing really well with French. And they even asked me if for first grade the next, the following year, if I wanted to do the 60% um, French. And I said, no, because the plan was we were going to stay here in the United States. So I wanted, you know, mm -hmm. to have the three languages learned well rather than four kind of well, you know? Right. Um, so I put her in the 60% Spanish class and and she did really well. She improved her Spanish. I mean, she was already doing well in Spanish, but she learned how to read and write. And it was very, very neat. But then the pandemic hit and, you know, life changed. And now the plan is back on that we're moving to Geneva, actually, in about two months. Um, oh, soon. Yeah. So we switched her back to the French program. My, my poor daughter, she's been in all the programs, but she does okay. Um, but now we, this year... She started second grade and she did, she's doing 60% English and the L2 language. 
is French. So 40% of her day is in French. Um, and I don't know if I mentioned this, but after after first starting first grade, they do both languages every day instead of alternating days. Oh, okay, no. You, but they you do switch, uh, classroom and teacher just like they do with the little ones. That's great. Mm-hmm. So she's like a little ambassador already. <laughs> French, <laughs> yeah, I German, guess. Spanish, English. She can pretty much travel the entire EU, but no problem. <laughs> she she does really well with languages. I think some people just are, you know, have a different brain and they're better with languages and others kind of like, you know, everything, you know, some kids are more artistic, some kids are more physical, you know, it's kind of the same, the same thing. And my little one, she's also, she's okay. She does, she does well. Like she does speak English now. She speaks Spanish very, very well. She, she speaks German only when she really has to. Mm -hmm. She's also very, very shy. So I think it's more that than She's shy and perfectionist. So mm-hmm. I think I know she knows it, but she doesn't want to say it because she doesn't want to say it wrong. Yeah. But there's like, definitely a personality type that that plays into that where they'd rather just get in all, all the input in their ear and then be able to produce a perfect sentence. And others that are willing to try even when it sounds like a mm-hmm. mix of wrong conjugations and missing words. Yeah. And yeah. I actually think it's it's better for learning language if you just try even if you say it all wrong because then people correct you or you know I feel like that's just practice it's it's better but I also see Anika's point where because I'm kind of like that I don't like to speak the language if I know I'm saying it wrong mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely a tough balance and it's hard to change our chi- our children you know they are the way they yeah. are yeah exactly <laughs> you just have to go with it so what are you doing to plan for the move other than switching your daughter's class so she knows more French? Are you guys doing anything to prepare? Yes. So I asked my younger daughter daughter if we should switch her to, to French too. And I asked because I don't give her all, you know, autonomy of decisions in her life, but I didn't want her to suffer through this because I then if you force a language, I feel like I don't know, they end up resenting it, you know, mm-hmm. and, it's just, and she just, she loved her teacher. She loved her classmates. So I was like, you know what, just stay there and be happy. But I, I had her enroll in some French classes after school, but it's just once a week, 30 minutes. So just, she has an introduction to it and mm-hmm. she actually really, really likes it. She's super excited about learning French. I think it's maybe because it's more similar to Spanish than mm-hmm. German and it's, she's more willing to learn French and German, which is kind of odd, but so she's doing that. And she's been doing that since last August and Amelie, my older one, where we switched her at school. Um, so it's, it's actually really cool that right now Amelie gets spoken to in every day in English, German, French, and Spanish every day, which I think that's amazing. I, we won't have that in Geneva. In Geneva, there are a lot of languages, but she won't be spoken to, you know, and I think it's different when you're being spoken to or just listening, you know, like the TV or if you're listening to other people have a conversation. Right. If you're not expected to respond, it's a very different interaction. You can kind of turn your brain half off. It's very passive. Yeah. But if someone yeah. is expecting you to be paying attention, be able to respond, to participate in a discussion. Yeah, it's a whole nother level. What is yeah. your plan for when you're in? Uh, Geneva to keep to maintain 
the Spanish. Um, I don't know what, I don't know how uh, available German is because Geneva is the French speaking part of Switzerland, but I know mm -hmm. there is a Swiss German. Mm -hmm. um, it's different, however. Very. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. What are the, what's, the, what's the plan for when you get there to how to maintain so, these home languages? So two years ago, we spent five weeks there in Geneva, kind of getting a feel for it because it's been kind of on the table if we're going to go or not go. And we were very surprised and excited that there's a lot of Spanish speakers there. So, um, and we were very shocked also that there's hardly any German speakers. Yeah. And the German that there is, we didn't understand because it's Swiss German and apparently it's very different. I didn't know that. Um, so a lot of the times, like we didn't, I didn't speak, well, I spoke very little French at that point. Um, and, but I understood. So when I wanted to reply, I asked them, do you speak French? I mean, do you speak German, English or Spanish? And like 90% of the time they would say Spanish. And I was so shocked about that. So that was, that was neat. Um, wow. I had no idea that there were so many Spanish speakers. Either. It was, yeah, it was, it was kind of exciting. I guess there's, there are a lot of immigrants from uh, South America. There's some from Spain, um, Mexico. I just, I, there's even a, in Geneva, a little Mexican shop that where they make tortillas oh, and beans nice. and Mexican food. Yeah. So it's, so it's nice. So you feel right at home. <laughs> yeah. So the plan is, I mean, I don't have a very concrete plan, but I know that they'll be going there to a uh, public school. They have international schools, which the program's kind of like the one we go to here, but it's extremely expensive. I mean, they all are extremely expensive, but over there even more mm -hmm. <laughs> expensive. So we just decided we want to, it's an indefinite move. So we want to integrate as much as possible. So we're going to be sending them to public school, which is 100% in French. Um, and they don't speak very much French yet, but since it's a very international city, they have integration classes for kids that are 12 and under. That's great. Um, yeah, and they, they say that usually it only takes about six months and the kids are fine, then they can just integrate with the rest of the class normally. Um, and then also at eight years old, they start with an L2 language, which is um, German. They start with German at eight years old. And then at 10 years old, they start uh, learning English. And then at 12, they add another language of their choice. Wow. Um, so, so different from our system. <laughs> I know, I know. And that's like, that's a public school, you know? So it's, I'm excited to see how that, how that works out. Um, so my husband has been doing Duolingo because you asked how we've been preparing. Mm. Doing Duolingo now for, for about eight months or so. And it's actually really helpful. It's a really neat um, app. He, he's been learning with that quite a bit. And then I enrolled in online Zoom classes, you know, with a, the French Alliance. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. l'Alliance Francaise. That's great. I think, and I do wanna say, I know Duolingo can get a bad rap. I do, I like it as an app, I use it. And I think yeah. it's all about how you use it and how you engage. And they even have Duolingo events. There's tons for French and oh, they're really? free. Yeah, I just attended my first one in Italian and it's mm. completely free and it's a Zoom call and they had, it depends on the teacher, but he had like this whole work page and we read things and we chatted Gosh. and there's homework and there's videos and like, it depends on the teacher, but there's free events and there's so many French teachers. I looked at French just because I'm a French teacher. So I was curious mm -hmm. to see what they offer and there's, there's tons and it's That's great. Really I think, cool. yeah, you guys should definitely look into it. Your husband might enjoy it or you. Yeah, I'll look into that. Yeah. 
What I really like is since I drive around a lot here in Houston, I while I drive, I listen to the Duolingo podcast, the French one, and it's really, really interesting. I like it a lot. They they pick people, you know, with different stories and they speak in intermediate French and somebody chimes in with context and it's it's really neat, it's helpful. Well, I haven't I've tried those podcasts yet. I have seen that they have them. So that's another they're great really, resource. Yeah, they're neat. I like them. Yeah, so definitely check out Duolingo if you guys don't know what it is because it's free and it is effective as long as you're, I think you have to actively try and like speak with it and use it. If it's just like a passive quick thing, I think it's not as effective. And people always laugh that the sentences are silly, but they do it on purpose so that you remember them. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can put a different word in rather than like my dog speaks Spanish, you know, you say my brother speaks Spanish, but it's just to get you to remember the phrase. Yeah. So. I feel like my husband's doing better at learning French than I am. Um, when I was in high school, actually, when I met him, I was studying French. And I remember when I met him, he had an accent. I was really excited. I was like, oh, do you, are you from France? And he looked at me like, oh, uh, no, he's like from Germany. And I was like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Um, because I was excited about French, right? But then I'm like, when he told me about the, the opportunity to move to Geneva, I was like, are you serious? Like, you know, I was learning French and it was all good. And then you came along and now I've been learning, you know, German for like 16 years. And now you want me to switch back to French, you know? So I've only had to learn a language actively once in my life, which is German. Well, when I started with French, but that, you know, went away real quick. But now I've noticed that when I'm trying to learn French again, German comes out when I try to speak French. Yeah. And my doesn't get that he doesn't understand why because he's had to learn English and then he's fine and then he learned Spanish and then that's fine and now he's learning French and then like French comes out so I don't understand why he doesn't get confused with the languages but I do he's like but they're very different languages and I was like I know but it's just like my foreign language brain is like switched to foreign language brain and then German comes out and yeah. I know I think that just comes with practice and again it's, it's very relatable yes I think we've yeah, all how different been there people yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that that was like normal or not, but. And it's, it's so funny. I had the same experience with my husband who's from Poland. I was a French major and obsessed with French. And, um, you know, I became a French teacher and all this, but I met him and he's from Poland and I was like, okay. And I never planned to learn Polish, but obviously have now. Um, and now we're moving to Quebec. So we're going to use French as well. And oh, he studied wow. a little bit of French. Um, mm -hmm. because he, he knew I loved French so much. So he studied it for me. So I'm like, Oh, time to put your French back <laughs> to use. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah. We meet these people, like we're planning, you know, I wanted to marry a French guy, meet a French guy. And it just doesn't happen that way. You can't, yep. you can't always That's choose funny. your destiny. That's funny. And also, um, what I find interesting is accents, how some people like my husband, he completely lost his accent. He sounds American now when he speaks English. Yeah. And some people just have an accent for life, you know? So I don't understand, or I don't know how, what that depends on, you know? Because right. um, you don't have an accent, but you came over so young. Most kids, they don't, yeah. they don't keep an accent when they're that young. But your husband was yeah. 15. He was That's 15, yeah. yeah. And he had an accent then. So I'm not sure what happened <laughs> or at what point, you know? People think he's American or often they think he's Mexican. I think just because he's with me. I don't know when he's a short German. So oh, that's funny. I, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's I find that interesting. And then I also find interesting that some people have told me that I have an accent and I 
I didn't think I had an accent, you know, but I think maybe it's also, you know, how in the United States, everybody has an accent depending on the region you live in. For sure. so maybe I have like Texas accent. I don't know. <laughs> I don't hear a strong Texas accent, but maybe yeah. we need to talk more about rodeos and it'll come out. I don't know. Oh yeah, no, I, I don't have that part of culture in me. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm just joking. <laughs> that was totally stereotypical, but no, but it 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 is. It's a very big thing here in in Houston. In February, there's a huge rodeo, and and I've really? been in Houston here for twelve years, and people are shocked that I've never been to the rodeo because it's like it's like you know right of passage. Like you have to go to the rodeo, but I'm just not not into that. <laughs> yeah, you can choose to partake or not partake for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting. I didn't even know that that was really still practiced and oh yeah, and then live and well. Downtown Houston, especially with big events, they have police officers on horses and oh. they look like cowboys. And I remember when like my the German family came, they were like shocked and they're so excited taking pictures of this. You know, and they're like, it's real, you know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I guess. Oh, I, I saw horse uh policemen on horseback in Paris. So it's it exists oh, really? in Europe yeah. as well. Yeah. I saw them chase chase a guy that was selling like illegal stuff. Oh. And oh, that's like, funny. some guy was on horseback chasing him. I was like, whoa, you know, it's obviously. faster than trying to get through all the traffic, right? Right. Yeah. And through all the, you know, they could go anywhere, the parks, the streets. That's, that's um, interesting. Tell us more about Houston, just because I've never been to Texas. So I'm kind of curious. Is it very international? As I know it's a big city. So I was not very excited about moving to Houston, honestly. Um, but I actually grew to really like it. I didn't know much about it before I moved here, but at least in near downtown, like in the city, which is where we live and where we stayed, it's very international. I was very, very surprised by that. Um, so we, so my, our closest group of friends are really international. Like there's, and we didn't do this on purpose. You know, there's one that's, she's Mexican-American married to an Italian and then another friend that's Indian married to a Dominican Republic um, American and then another one married to Peruvian and she's Indian and so that's like our closest group of friends so and they're you know very international that just kind of represents kind of this area I guess and the public schools all are very international too like you don't have to go to the international school to get that experience so I actually really like that. I don't know about the rest of Houston, like the outskirts. Um, I think those are probably not as diverse, um, but I'm not, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I do like it. There's a lot of cultural activities or events. Um, you know, there are a lot of good museums and they bring a lot of international expositions and I, I, I like it. It's nice. Mm -hmm. And then Geneva, we know is, you know, in the center of Europe, you're gonna be able to travel kind of all over. Nothing's too far compared to Texas. You guys are, yeah. you know, I don't know exactly where Houston is. I'm trying to picture the map, but even just the US, you know, it's hours and days of Huge. travel yeah, and you're no. still in America and yeah. you know, we speak English. So um, are you guys excited to be we're, you know, yeah. in Europe? Yeah, we're, we're very excited about that. Um, yeah, I mean, Texas is huge. You know, you can drive, like to get to my parents, it's driving five and a half hours and we're still in Texas, wow. you know, it's actually kind of close. So here you can drive for 10 hours and you're still in Texas, like to go to Paso from here, I think it's like 10 hours. Wow. Um, so over there, I think we're, we're going to be living like at the border with France, you know, so we could be in France and we could be in Italy and within a couple of hours. 
Um, and so, yeah, we're very excited about that as long as, you know, Corona lets us right. again at some point. I'm a bit worried about how that is going to develop, but I hope things get better. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm excited about that because I think that we would like to send like the kids to summer camps in Germany or in Spain, you know, and that that would be really neat. Yeah, and your husband's family must be excited to have you guys much closer, although your parents are probably sad yeah. about having you guys move across the ocean. Yeah, it, it is really sad because I'm I'm really close to my family. Um, and but they're actually looking to maybe going and retiring in Spain. So that would be yeah, that'd be perfect. Maybe that'll happen. Yeah. That'd be great. I'm actually curious because we're also moving international, you know, not mm -hmm. as far. Um, did you guys already find housing? Was it hard to find? Because you can't go there with COVID. And that's kind of like our struggle too. It's we're not that far. We're only five, six hours from where we're going, but we can't cross the border yet to like look at places. Yeah. So how did you guys find a house? How did that go or an apartment? It's yeah, it's it's hard. The housing marketer in in Geneva and Switzerland in general is it's it's kind of crazy. Like they, there's a new apartment or you know an empty apartment, and there's like 300 applicants, and then you have to like kind of compete to get the apartment to rent. You know, wow. um, we got super lucky, and um, one of my husband's coworkers was just vacating an apartment, and so they you know gave us you know a good word to the to the landlord and they accepted our our um, application so we've got oh. and I told my husband you know what I don't care even if it doesn't look amazing just get it and then we'll we'll think about it after a year you know right so lucky with that and my husband's actually going next week to go sign the lease and get the keys and all of that and then coming back to get us it's so complicated yeah it it's is. all these steps that we don't think about it. it just sounds like a dream like okay let's all move to switzerland that, yeah, sounds, no. that sounds fabulous but there's so much work it's a million things yeah one thing that i found really interesting is that they told me that within three days of moving there i have to by law um, register the kids to school because it's they're very big on children's rights and they say that you know it's a child's right for an education to get an education so within three days, I'm like, I'm still going to be jet lagged and I have to like go register them at school. Um, wow. I found that interesting. That's a very short time limit. You know, I think maybe yeah. two weeks could be yeah. a little bit kinder, just give you yeah. a little bit more leeway with the. Well, do you, I mean, if you already know where the, um, if the apartment, you know, where that is located, you can maybe base proximity to the school. Yes. I've, um, I have a funny story about that because I, I contacted the school, the one that was closest to there through email. And so I was told, you know, try to speak to them or write to them in French because, you know, they, they like it better when you try, not just like straight up English, you know, whatever. So I did that with the help of Google Translate. And so they replied and they said, yeah, you know, we're the school in that zone, you know, whatever. When you, when you arrive, just make sure to come and bring the kids to register. And so we've been going back and forth with different questions and things. And then just like two days ago, she told me when I arrive in Geneva to please give her a call to this number and we'll have a conversation. And I was like, oh my God, a call? Like, I can't do a call, you know, because I don't feel comfortable enough speaking 
in French and Google Translate is just that good that she thinks I know French now. Right. And I feel- It's so different having the time to, to put your thoughts down yes. and then check if it's correct and yeah, search yeah. things on Google. It's so different than having them on the phone and they're waiting yeah. for your, your answer. <laughs> Because I feel like when you can talk on the phone in a foreign language is when you're fluent. Mm. You know, I, that's how I feel. And Especially I, to a stranger. Yes. You know, exactly. To someone you're comfortable with, it might be different. Yes. But yeah. Like I feel like I could speak in German if I had to over the phone, if I needed to, you know, register the kids to school. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't be perfect, but I would be okay. But with French, I'm just, I'm not there yet, you know? And so I'm going to have to tell her, you know, well, I don't know. I don't know. The Google Translate is very, very good, but but I've noticed that you have to at least know some of the language to kind of get it right. Because right. I know enough to where I understand it, and sometimes I'm like, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. Is I have to tweak it. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't just straight up Google, Google Translate and think it's all correct. You know? Oh, trust me, I am a foreign <laughs> language teacher, so I've gotten all sorts oh, you of know. submissions. Yes, I taught high school. You know school. when it's all Google Translate. <laughs> I taught high school French and Spanish, and I had many a student that tried to just put in That's things funny. in Google Translate. And you also know their level, so you're like, I yeah. know you don't know this tense. I know you don't know this word. Um, you <laughs> definitely looked that up. You know. That's but, funny. But with a, a person like at the school, they don't know your level. They don't know what you, you know, yeah. you're just two adults. You know, it's very different. But yeah. I think you could probably tell her you'd be more comfortable doing it in English if possible. And yeah. maybe she'll pass the phone on to somebody else if she's not comfortable. But there's got to be someone that, yeah. that can handle it. I mean, it I think English. most people there speak speak a different another language besides French. And so hopefully it'll be either Spanish, German, or... yeah. Yeah, offer the offer the three languages that you're comfortable yeah. with. I'm sure they'll find someone. Yeah. And also what I found interesting when we were there is that when I would say, you know, do you speak German, English, or Spanish? And they didn't speak either of them. They uh, I had several times somebody tell me, well, I speak Italian. And so they would tell me in Italian and I would understand enough mm -hmm. to where I would speak Spanish back and they would understand me, which was really funny. And then also with Portuguese, that would work too. Yeah, it's amazing how close those romance languages are. I've just started yes. studying Italian and it's it's kind of mind-blowing to me that I can listen to podcasts and understand everything. I mean, I've now looked up a few important words that are different, like the word yeah. um, ascoltare is to, to listen. So it's different than escuchar yeah. and ecute. But yeah. if you know like enough key words mm -hmm. that have that are a little bit different, like it's amazing how quickly you can pick up another romance language. Just I know French and Spanish, so it's it's... Yeah quite easy and in Portuguese I haven't done yet I think I would just speak pure Spanish if I tried <laughs> yeah but uh Portuguese is also very similar to French right oh no yeah I haven't really studied I've listened to it a little bit but I haven't I haven't studied it but it is amazing how much you can understand but I, I feel your pain with French because I can understand people speaking Italian I can understand it written and I'm like uh, I yeah. can't say more than like a few yeah. you know sentences I like never, I don't speak good Italian <laughs> yeah I never understood that because growing up in a border town there are a lot of second generation Mexicans that are just they're American you know because they were born and raised here they don't really know anything anything other than here and often people would like make fun of them they're like you look Mexican why don't you speak Spanish you know but it's like they're American they were born here and they're not exposed you know but and I never understood how a lot of my friends would understand Spanish, but then would speak back in English. 
And I'm in my head, I'm like, well, if you understand it, can't you just speak it? But no, it's two different things. And I never knew that until I started learning a foreign language, you know, because yeah. I was just born with it basically, you know? So I didn't, I didn't understand it till now. So. Yeah. It's a very curious phenomenon. And once you experience it, you totally get, you know, those kids that have that heritage language would always speak back to their parents in English. That is very yeah. common, at least in yeah. the U.S. Um, I'm curious how you guys are keeping the culture alive and how you plan to keep the culture alive. Like, what was it like for you growing up here as a, a Mexican-American? How did your parents keep Mexican culture alive? So since we were so close to the border, it all gets kind of blended, you know, and we we, we grew up with just the traditions and culture that we always, that my parents had, just because also since it's a border town, they didn't have to fully integrate, you know, to another to American culture. So they like, for example, Thanksgiving, we never celebrated until we were in college. And then we started realizing what this Thanksgiving is, you know, because wow. we heard about it, you know, in school, obviously, but it was kind of just like, oh, some people do this. It wasn't so much like us, you know, right. Um, but so for us, we, I like to be very mindful of that. And do realize that my kids have three different cultures that they that I want to keep alive. So we celebrate a bunch of different things. Like we celebrate some German, um, some German holidays. We celebrate, you know, I actually started doing more things with Mexican culture that my parents lost along the way, like Dia de los Muertos, mm -hmm. which is the Day of the Dead in November. My parents never put an altar or anything like that, you know, but I did. I do since when my kids are are younger, since they were younger, we started making our own altar and we started putting, you know, our family members that have passed mm -hmm. away. And I and I taught them about the traditions after myself learning and reading about it. Um and they love it. Now every time, you know, Halloween's near uh, you know, coming up, they're like, Oh, it's almost Dia de los Muertos too. And you know, they remind me. Mm -hmm. And um also for the the King's Day, right? Dia de los Reyes Magos, which is uh, January 6th. Um, in Mexico, they usually have, you know, a big king's cake and they cut it, you know, and the baby's inside. Mm -hmm. um, and we always kind of did that also growing up, but it was mostly just, you know, by the thing at the bakery and like, it's kind of, you know, wasn't really sure why we did this or anything. And I, you know, read about it and taught my kids about it. And now we make one every year and they get really excited. So the German traditions aren't as alive because it's all, you know, falls on my husband and he just doesn't have as much time at, with the kids as I do. Yeah. But some of them I've, you know, helped out with, but I just can't keep up with all of them. Well, you guys also have a lot of holidays if you're mixing all three of their cultures. It's just yeah, exactly. every couple of weeks, there'd be another holiday to celebrate. Yeah. And they actually, my kids teach me about some of the American holidays that they learn at school that I never really learned too much about because um, like the 4th of July, of course, we, we celebrated, but since we were never at school at the time, we didn't get a full lesson on that really. Right. But they do, they do do that before school ends at my kid's school. And so they've taught me, you know, different things of why we do certain things here. And so it's, it's interesting, you know. Yeah, I think we can learn so much. And with our kids going to school, I'm excited for mine to yeah. go and just learn like with them because yes, exactly. things that are explained to kids, it's very like concise and mm -hmm. simplified depending on the age. And we can just have a quick refresher like, oh yeah, I know about this, but do I really know 
you know, most of us, we don't really know the history that well, unless we're history yeah. majors. We've, we've learned it and we've forgotten it. And it's just good yeah. to be reminded. Yeah, I myself have also started reading more about the, you know, Mexican history and culture, because since I didn't grow up in a Mexican school, I didn't, I didn't know much about it. And also when I was in, in college, I was also more interested in that. And so I also, that's why I studied in Spain, so I could know more of the history, you know, mm -hmm. of everything. Um, and that was also very helpful for me now that I can pass that on to my kids. I think that's wonderful. Now, this episode will be out after Cinco de Mayo, but do you have any plans for Cinco de Mayo? It's not Independence Day, as I would always teach my mm -hmm. students. That's kind of a misconception in the U.S. Yeah. Do you have any plans for that holiday? Um, no, we actually don't celebrate it. Um, we never have. It's not a big deal. Exactly. It's a big American holiday to drink yeah. margaritas. Yeah. And yeah, your kids exactly. aren't old enough to enjoy that. So. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I actually do more like for the, for BC says the September, which is Independence Day. We, mm -hmm. we don't do like a huge thing or anything because, you know, in Mexico they have huge parties, but here it's like just us. So, but I, we do talk about it more then. And then, especially at school, because they're in the Spanish program, they do, you know, celebration and they dress up with Mexican dresses and things. But oh, that's for great. Mayo, we don't really do much. At school, they do do something, but they don't really call it Cinco de Mayo. It's just they celebrate, you know, uh, the Latin world, kind of. Okay. So not so much. It's just kind of all Spanish-speaking traditions or culture or whatever. Like that day, they get to dress up in something, you know, uh, like either some something from Spain or from Mexico or from Colombia or anything Spanish-speaking. Nice. Yeah, so we don't we don't do anything. For no, them. I think, but I think that's a really good and it's important to say because I know whenever we would have Cinco de Mayo, you know, we talk about it's not the Independence Day. I always have to teach my my students, and we would talk about you know what it actually is. I think it's like there was a battle fought or something on that day, yeah. a battle won. So it's mm -hmm. not what we think it is, what we've created it to be in the U.S. Yeah, yeah it's the Batalla de Puebla. It's, it's interesting. A lot of people didn't don't know that. So I think it's good to, to put out on a podcast. I can't help. Yeah. My teacher self just wants to yeah. like teach people. No, about good. This. <laughs> yeah. So before we end, um, I always like to have our guests teach us a word or phrase in their language or languages. So it can be something you say to your kids or, a, you know, a famous saying, proverb, just something that you could teach us. I remember one phrase in German that when Dirk and I were dating, you know, we were, we were young and he would send me these little postcards of this funny little sheep that would say, on a dish is alles doof, which means without you, everything's dumb. And it's cute because it had like little flowers and little, you know, the sun or something. And it says, you know, the sun is dumb. The flowers are dumb because we were like long distance relationship. But mm -hmm. that's for some reason that's all I can think of right now. But I don't know if that's a good one. How about something, if someone is learning Spanish, is there some phrase or just word that you think would be useful for them? I guess something that's that's good to know is what I'm learning also in French is how to say, I am learning, you know, mm -hmm. which I'm learning French or I'm learning Spanish, uh, please speak slow. Because that shows interest, you know, you want you want to understand, but they need to speak slow for you and you're actually trying, which I think I think is helpful. So in Spanish, you would say, estoy aprendiendo, por favor, hable despacio. 
And I think that would be something helpful that you can say if you're in a Spanish speaking environment. That's great. And most people probably know the song Despacito. So same mm -hmm. root there, Despacio. Des yeah. <laughs> Despacio, Despacito. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. great. I think that's really useful. And um, I also had a friend, he wasn't a language person, but he traveled for his, he's a musician and he would travel mm -hmm. and he wanted to know how to say, I don't speak X language in mm. every language so that when he traveled he could just tell them sorry yeah. i don't speak x and that is that's such a like a good first sentence because it really is yeah at least to tell them in their own language i think means a lot more than to just say in english i don't speak russian i don't speak yeah. german which is yeah that's true but i also feel like i like well if you're actually learning the language i like that better just because it sounds like you know you're trying but you don't you're not there yet but I mean, you can't learn all the languages that you travel to. So that's also very helpful, especially in that language. Mm -hmm. And how would I say that in German? I'm not learning German, but how would I say I'm learning German? Please speak slowly. Um, ich lerne Deutsch, aber ich kann nicht so viel. Uh, bitte sprechen Sie nicht so langsam. Uh, langsamer. Sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. That's great. My German's with and invaded by the French. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah, you're spending more time focusing on French. Well, I wish you guys such a wonderful move and I hope it goes smoothly and that there's no issues with COVID and that everything can just, you know, you guys can settle in, register your daughters and then relax. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Thank you days. so much. Thank and you I so much you for taking the time. I wish you luck with your move as well. Thank you. Yeah, no, we'll be in touch. <laughs> I'll let you know how, how it's going because we're doing the same thing, going to a French-speaking country. So oh, It's a lot of work, right? Especially with little kids. Yes, yeah. And we're you guys are a little bit farther down the journey, so we're, <laughs> we're getting there. Well, thank you so thank much for taking you. the time. I really appreciate it. And thank, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. That's all for my discussion with Marisol, but I hope that you guys enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed talking. And I hope that you took something out of our discussion that maybe you can go look into more or just give you some food for thought. And I hope that along with me, you will wish Marisol and her entire family bon voyage and a wonderful and safe trip over to Geneva. I am so jealous. That sounds like such a wonderful place to be. And if you guys are enjoying this podcast, please remember that sharing it is wonderful and helps so much to spread the word as well as leaving a rating and review is really great. And even just uh, subscribing so that you don't miss any of the future episodes, I would really appreciate that. And as always, take care, stay well, and we'll catch you soon. Bye.